Hey everyone, welcome to the Love in the Fight Marriage Podcast. My name is Travis Rosinger and I am so excited to hang out with you guys today, to catch up a little bit and to really focus on life and marriage and how we can just all around get better. Well, we have had a really good week and then it nosedived. I want to explain. Well, it started off really great. We had our kids and our grandkids come up for the weekend from Iowa. It's just fun to be with family. It's like a bucket filler, of course, but we decided to take them out to Mexican food. One of our favorite little Mexican restaurants that's nearby our house, super authentic. The place is slammed all the time. Great food, crazy affordable price. And we just had a good time laughing, eating this Mexican food. And they were up for a couple days, so we played tons and tons of pickleball. The weather is warmer, and we love pickleball. We've talked about it before, but it's like, you know, um, uh, ping pong. It's like we're standing on a life-size ping pong table, and we get to hit the ball back and forth, and we, we just play hard, sweat, and we laugh a lot. But here's where it, our weekend took a nosedive. After our kids left, uh, the next day they called us at about five in the evening, and they're like, hey guys, we just want to give you a heads up. Everybody down here in our family in Iowa, they're throwing up. And so they were just kind of giving us a two-hour warning that that same bug was probably going to hit us. And sure enough, a couple hours later, I mean, I was now mentally prepared that my night before me was going to be horrible, but it hit us it, with impending doom. It slammed into my stomach into the back of my throat. And guys, um, it was a rough night, Sunday night. Uh, and that's part of why my wife, Dawn, is not here with us today. She was in rough shape and is still recovering. And so um, that's why you get me. But I'm excited to be here and she'll be back next week. But uh, wow, it was a great weekend and a terrible, awful weekend all at the same time. Well, you know, as we kind of move forward in this episode, I just want to make a statement. And I'm assuming you're probably going to agree. And it's this. I love good people. Y you know, good people. I, I just love them. I don't know why. And they're everywhere, right? Like the world sometimes feels dark and feels like there's a lot of angry, mean people at times, almost like that's the way the world has become or it's taken over. But when you really stop and you look around you as you move through your day throughout your life, you very quickly realize, no, 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 wait a second. There's way more good people in the world. And when you walk away from interacting with a good person, you know, a person who is, has just really great qualities, you're like, whoa, I enjoy that person. You know what it's like? It's a lot like uh, the best movie you've ever seen. And you're done with the movie. You're like, oh man, was that a good movie? I mean, that's what it's like interacting with a good person. Or it's kind of like, you know, when you come out of the car wash, your car is filthy, dirty, but you've gotten triple wax job, maybe a quadruple wax job. It comes out and it looks like it did the day that it was on the showroom floor when you bought it brand new. I mean, that's what it feels like to interact with a good person and walk away kind of like an incredible meal where every bite tastes so good and the, the chef and all the different seasonings in there, like it just it just pings, you know, on all of your different taste buds and you walk away from an interaction with a truly good person. You're like, wow, that was, that, that just 
that tasted amazing. I mean, that was, I feel clean. I feel like I just had the best experience. Like, this is so cool. And I'm sorry, I just got to use, you know, uh, 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 pictures and experiences kind of to describe what a good person means to me. But I'm so grateful for the good people uh, across this world. And those of you that are listening, I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. But it's kind of interesting because I grew up uh, in a church culture that was awesome in a lot of ways, but then in a lot of ways, it was a little bit frustrating and maybe even harmful at times. Now, I'm not bitter against church, and I, I, I don't think those people are all bad or evil. They're great people, actually, but so often in the churches and the messages that I heard um, from some pastors, not all of them, but some of them made me feel like I had to try and be perfect. Uh, not just a good person, but to be perfect. And I, I felt like I had to be good for God, to be accepted by God. And I felt that way a lot growing up. And I didn't even realize it. I think it was just like being injected into me and more than even really church, to be honest with you, or even that one-off pastor here and there that would give a message that would make you feel that way. More than anything, it was the culture of growing up in church in the United States at that time as I was growing up. And it was just kind of getting injected into my soul and who I was. But as I got older, I then started to realize that it was there. I don't even think I realized that right away. But then when I realized it was there, God one day revealed to me that it was a lie and that I didn't have to impress him, that I didn't have to do something to be loved by him. And it was like one day God flipped a switch and I realized that I can't gain God's love and I can't lose his love, that his love is just there. And I tell you that because that fact reminded me of a great and important reality. And it's this, that if I have invited Jesus to come into my life, and I am giving him him control of my life, that I'm going back to him on a regular basis, then something cool, something incredible is actually taking place in my life every day that I'm alive, every moment that I breathe my my next breath, something really cool is, is happening. And I'm experiencing, and you are as well, if you've done those things, and that's this, that God's spirit dwells inside of me. God's spirit dwells inside of you. Have you ever spent time just thinking about that? Like, that is a crazy thought. God dwells in you? God dwells in me? Guys, that means that he's close, closer than a friend. And that means that you don't have to get in your car, you don't have to pay admission, you don't have to drive anywhere to interact with God. I mean, he's right there. He's with you all the time every day. Man, to just settle into that thought and to go, oh, God, you are, you are with me. But even more importantly, God, you are inside of me at this moment. Now, because of that fact, God's goodness is also in my life. And one of the things that I need to do is to let that goodness spill out of me onto other people. And for sure, it needs to spill out first and foremost on my spouse and my kids. I mean, they should absolutely be able to tell that God is close to me, that he's in my life, that he's inside of me. And they should also be able to feel his goodness coming out of my life. But that goodness should also especially be spilling out of me to everyone around me in this world that I come in contact with. 
And so as I've thought about that, as I've pondered it, you know, the importance of it and how that actually happens, because again, God's spirit dwells inside of us. So how does it happen? How does the goodness of God spill out of us? Well, it comes out of us. Here's the, the way I would put it. This is kind of strange, but it comes out of us when we taste good and we help others find their way. When we taste good and help others find their way. In other words, salty and bright. Salty and bright. Uh, when we are salty and we are bright. Now, many of you know that I have a self-proclaimed salt addiction. I'm sorry, I've talked about it before on our podcast in a different episode, but man, I love salt. If salt comes to me, you know, on uh, something that I I uh, order at a restaurant, I will often pick up the salt shaker and add more salt. It's terrible. I know. I know one day the doctor is going to say, you can't have salt anymore. That's probably going to happen. But until then, I'm going to try to eat very healthy, work out like crazy, and keep eating a ton of salt. But here's part of where that came from. So when I was a kid, I lived in Arizona for, you know, and out west for about 10 years in the western part of the United States. And my family, family that is near and dear to my heart, um, in down in Arizona, uh, they are uh, half Mexican. And like my uncle came from Mexico. And so growing up for 10 years of my formidable years in Arizona around my Mexican family, I, I, I was exposed to the Mexican culture. And I started to like salt in a very big way. Uh, when I was just a kid, there was a thing, and I know I'm going to butcher this, but it's called saritos. And when I was a kid, I would eat saritos. And what they are is they are dried uh, prunes or plums, I should say, or apricots, and they're rolled over and over again in salt. So when we would go to the local, you know, little market store, you know, the corner gas station, whatever, a lot of kids would run straight to the candy aisle. So would I. I love candy. But I would always also go and get a bag of saritos. They were super cheap. I think I paid like a quarter and I got like 20 of them. And I would immediately pull out these heavily salted. I mean, they were caked in salt. They weren't like red or orange anymore. They were pure white. And I would pop them in my mouth. And I love salt. Why? Because the moment I got these salitos in my mouth, man, I would just, my mouth would water and my taste buds would come to life. I love them. So you can tell that that's part of what ruined me. And that's why I like salt so much to this day. But another thing about me and my wife or Dawn and I uh, is that we are also sun worshipers. And no, I'm not saying that we worship the sun god Ra, you know, from the Egyptian antiquity, but but we love the sun. I mean, come on, we live in Minnesota and it's like dark six months out of the year and 40 below zero. So when it's sunny out, we love to be out in the sun and just soaking up the heat and the vitamin B. I mean, we completely enjoy it. And one of the things that I love about, I guess, sun is that if you think about daylight, you never get lost. Lost. I mean, you know, you might not be entirely sure where you're at, but you're you're never truly lost. You can see at least in front of you. You can find your way back to where you came from. And darkness is completely different. So why do I talk about the the effects of salt and my addiction to salt and the, what it does to my mouth and the just the flavor, you know, the burst of flavor and then 
light and how we love to be outside. We live outside in the summer and the warmth on our skin and the ability to see in front of us. Well, it's because of this, this question, how do you let the goodness of God seep out of your life? Again, it's salty and bright. These are two descriptors that are roles that you have as a person if you're a follower of Jesus and you have as a couple, as a husband and wife. And that's what I have. That's my role, but it's also my responsibility as a husband, but as an individual and in my marriage as a couple. Why? Because here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Isn't that interesting? He he just points it out. He just says, you. No, not the guy standing next to you. Not somebody else, you know, like from another country. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus is putting that directly on us. And then he goes on to describe what salt is like. He says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. In other words, it's got to be like that sarito that you throw in your mouth and all of a sudden your mouth waters and it's a burst of flavor. He continues and he says, you are the light of the world. No, no, not somebody else. Not your neighbor, not like a distant relative. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So he tells us what light does. That when you take light and you put it on a hill in pure darkness, you're going to see that town from a far ways away. And I love that because, of course, this was written. Jesus spoke these words long before NASA, long before we used to orbit the earth with our space station. And you can look down and you can see all the major cities, these towns even, and some of these rural areas across the world. And it's because of the light, the light emanating from them. He goes on and he says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. You don't do that with light. He says, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Wow. I love that when Jesus talks about how we, our role of what we're supposed to be like and our responsibility, our role and our responsibility of what we're supposed to do, he uses things that we can wrap our minds around, things that actually make sense. So basically he's saying, look, now that you know what salt and light do, salt makes things salty and light, boy, it like, it'll show up in the middle of the night and even a whole city will, will be displayed. Then he goes on and he says this, he says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Jesus is like, I've told you what your role is. I've told you what your responsibility is. Now he says, I'm telling you to go do it. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? Because everyone will will see what you are doing and they will praise your heavenly Father. And that's why I love good people. I don't always know if they're Christians. I don't always know if, you know, maybe there's some hidden motivation behind them being so good in my interaction with them. But honestly, when you come across somebody who loves Jesus and you walk away and you're like, oh man, I could feel the goodness of God in them. Guys, that is one of the greatest experiences I happen to think. And guys, you know, in our world, again, so often there's this illusion that there's all darkness, that there's all mean and angry people that just want to point out each other's faults. And that's simply not true, that this world is filled with a ton of good people 
and a ton of people who know God and are willing to let their light shine so that others may glorify their Heavenly Father. So I just wanted to share with you a few uh, ways or things to help you stay salty and bright. I mean, that's what we have to do as individuals. That's what we definitely need to do as couples and with our spouses, with our kids, and especially to those around us in the world. So some direct things that I want to encourage you with, simple things that are just like, hey, I'm I'm salt and I'm light and I'm not going away. I'm not going to be cast out and trampled underfoot. Some direct things, just say hi to people, even when you know they won't say hi back. I, I can't tell you how many people I say hi to and like 50% of them, they don't say hi back. And you know what? I just, I'm like, I just put it right back in inside my heart and my mouth. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to say hi to the next person. But be a friendly, approachable person is awesome. I think another really great strength of of Christians, people who are following in Jesus' footsteps, is assume everyone is your friend. I mean, Jesus talked about the greatest kind of love is a friend. And so when you walk into a store, when you walk into your kids' schools, you know, whatever, wherever you're going to the mall or online shopping and you're chatting with somebody online, you know what? Assume everyone is your friend. Another piece of being friendly though and salty and bright is resolving differences quickly. Christians, people who follow Jesus should be the biggest peacemakers on the planet. We are people who seek peace. And when we know that there's something between us and somebody else, we very quickly want to resolve that. I also think of this idea how we really all truly have an introvert inside of us. The world says pick. You're either extroverted or introverted. And I don't agree with that. I think it's wrong. I think every one of us have those moments where we need to just step away and be alone. Or we have those days where we wake up, we're confident, we're confident, confident, and all of a sudden we wake up and we just want to shrink, just like a, a, a turtle back, you know, pulling our head back into its shell. And we have those days where we're timid. And the reality is we need to tell our introverted side that it's not allowed outside. I am in no way suggesting it's bad to be introverted. Some of my best friends are introverted. And by the way, we all have a little bit of an introversion inside of us. We just tend to lean a little bit more one direction or the other. But the reason why I'm saying that is when we are around people, when we are around people, if we want to let the goodness of God spill out, we need to tell our introverted side that it's not allowed outside. In other words, we are going to push ourselves, just like it says in Corinthians, that we are Christ's ambassadors. We are uh, appealing, you know, we are are speaking on the behalf of of Jesus. And so we want to interact with people. We want them to walk away and go, wow, that was like a really good meal. Or that was like the best movie I ever saw. Or that interaction with with Travis, man, that was like, I just got my car cleaned and it looks like it's brand new. It was on the showroom floor. And so we want to push ourselves. It's, It's not about being comfortable. It's about making sure that the person we're interacting with is comfortable. I I love what author uh, Mike Slaughter, here's what he says. When we privatize our faith, we cease to be salt and light in the world. No longer part of a countercultural revolution or an outpost of heaven demonstrating God's plan for restoration and resurrection. We reduce our faith to this. Jesus came, died, and rose from the grave to get me into heaven. Man, he nailed it. Our faith is not about us. It's about other 
people. It's about, you know, being salt and light, being a part of the countercultural revolution. You and I are an outpost of heaven for people to come across and to experience. It isn't just for us. And so that's why we want to be direct with our communication with people. We want to put ourselves out there and we want to let the goodness of God seep out to those around us. Another way that we do this to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, you know, to let the goodness of God seep out as we're salty and bright. There's some indirect ways that we do that. I think of good people and I think of honesty. You're not going to cross me. You are honest. And even when no one's looking, you're going to do the right thing. I think of sobriety. There's so many opportunities to be addicted in our world today. I mean, come on, anybody and everybody could be addicted to something. Sobriety, when you interact with people, especially Christians who are sober, who are saying, you know, I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not going to be viewing porn. I'm not going to be addicted to money and greed. I'm just I'm just going to be sober and have my mind set on Jesus, have my mindset on serving others, have my mindset on, on heaven. And then I think of those that are hardworking. Wow, if you want to let your light shine, if you want to be salty, hardworking, being that person that comes through, you know, when you're supposed to at work by the deadline, you know, when you give your uh, word that you're going to be done and, and you show up every day and you work hard, there's something great about that or even generosity. And I'm just giving a couple examples of, of what it is to, you know, be salty and bright, to let the goodness of God see. But but generosity would be one of those indirect ways where it, sometimes it's seen. Sometimes we need to be generous in front of others to influence them, to encourage them to be generous for the same cause. And then there are times that we don't want anybody to know, that we just want to be generous and generous in giving. Author David Kinneman writes this, Being salt and light demands two things. We practice purity in the midst of a fallen world, and yet we live in proximity to this fallen world. If you don't hold up both truth and tension, you invariably become useless and separated from the world God loves. Wow. <laughs> so well put. Like we are absolutely you know, Christians who have the goodness of God. Jesus is inside of us. His spirit lives in us. We are salty and bright. And kind of like Peter and John, when they healed the man who had been lame for 40 years and the, you know, religious leaders got angry at him, what they said was, we can tell that these are unlearned men. They're uneducated men, but they have spent time with Jesus. And that is one of my desires. It has been my whole life. And my desire for you would be that as people look at you, as they look at you and your spouse and your marriage, that they go, whoa. Those are some good people. They have spent time with Jesus. And that's why Jesus says to love your enemies, to do good to those that hurt you. It's the goodness of God. Love is the greatest way that we share the goodness of God to others. It's how we are salty and bright. So as we conclude, I just want to give you a, a couple questions. Do you taste good? Does your marriage taste good? I mean, that's a weird uh, question, but when people walk away, are they going, oh my gosh, that's the best meal I ever had? I mean, that was that one of the best experiences they have ever had. Here's my second question. Are you helping people find their way? Does your life and does your marriage cast doubt on whether God exists and whether the Bible should be honored 
and obeyed? Or does your life and marriage constantly shine light on what truth really is and what obedience to God really looks like? I wanted to kind of challenge you with those questions and just wanted to encourage you. You are one of those good people. God is using you. You are making right choices. You're you're listening to the voice of God in your life. And as you are salty, as you are bright, man, God is going to continue to cause miracles to happen in your life. And he's going to use you to be a blessing to others. And there's always this side effect that when we're a blessing to others, our own life, and our own marriages become better. Well, hey guys, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Loving the Fight Marriage Podcast. Remember, you can do it. You got this. Keep loving the fight.